The content found on thebestdayever.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. And we're going to talk about optimal nutrition. If you're a woman ages 35 to 55, you're going to want to listen to this. We're going to talk about foods, superfoods, and super herbs that are ideal for you. So Dave, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dave, I'd really like to tackle just foods for a moment because I know a lot of people, especially women ages 35 to 55, they focus in on their diet and what they're going to make in terms of food or cooking a nice dinner. Let's just talk the general category of food as a premenopausal and hormone balancing strategy. What are the kind of foods that you would focus in on? I know a lot of people at some point maybe focus a lot on greens and salads and there's sort of like the seaweed angle and foods like kelp and dulse. What are the, the foods that you would say really should grab a woman's attention? Okay, well, first big category here, and this is something you have to assess for yourself and, and see if you're goitrogenic, but the, the big category is the cruciferous vegetables, including broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, wild mustards, kale, cabbages. It's an amazing food in, in four ways. One is that it has a genoprotective effect, these foods do, whether they're raw or cooked. And if you have a goitrogenic problem with these foods, you have to actually cook them or steam them in order to break down those goitrogens, which are very heat sensitive and they break down pretty much immediately. In fact, a lot of people believe that these thyroid inhibiting goitrogens can actually be broken down by blending. I don't know if that's for sure, but that's that's now suspected. But anyway, one of these key four of the four ingredients is the sulfur phanes, the genoprotective sulfur phanes, which are actually now recommended if somebody is born and they're not completely genetically intact. For example, maybe they're autistic or they've had a little bit of a developmental disorder or they have a learning disorder or something like that. Sulfur phanes are recommended and they're, they're sourced and they come from broccoli and the cruciferous vegetables and their sprouts. Then there's indole-3-carbinol and DIM, and these are two of my favorites. In fact, indole-3-carbinol was my favorite supplement of 2012, and DIM is my favorite supplement of 2013, and they're related. Uh, actually, they're, they're breakdown products of, of broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts and this cruciferous vegetable family, and they help to us, to, they help to educate the cells on how to detoxify oily compounds that are mimicking estrogens. Basically, they can teach your body how to detoxify plastic-type compounds or fake dangerous estrogens or even a high dosage of naturally occurring dangerous estrogens because that is going on too. We can have naturally occurring dangerous estrogens. Then the fourth one is calcium D-glucarate, and that's a compound that's found, it's a, it's a fiber that's found in that same grouping of cruciferous vegetables from cabbage right on through to kale and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and broccoli. So that's a, that's a food group that I'd recommend concentrating on. Then there's the subtle androgenic compounds that are found in sweet potato. 
And that's an interesting food. You can eat sweet potato raw. I wouldn't recommend doing it too often or too much, but I juice it every now and then. And it's, it, I've made sweet potato drinks that are very close to like a strawberry quick type flavor. If you ever remember strawberry quick, it was a kind of a strawberry sugary, um, drink mix and you would, you would mix it in with your milk and you'd make a strawberry quick. It's, it's kind of like that. It's a little bit milky and it's, it's subtly androgenic. We don't have the hard data on it. It's the anecdotal data. People who do sweet potato as a major food in their diet, cooked sweet potato in particular, report that they're athletically um, more more adept, that their endurance is better. And, and so we're feeling, we know that it's only one chemical change to move from the compound that's found in the sweet potato to progesterone and also to testosterone, just one chemical change. So we suspect that that's happening metabolically, even though we haven't figured out the mechanics of that yet. Now, there's there are other foods that I recommend here that I think are important. I think one of them is if you can get really good quality seaweed, and because of the contamination of the Pacific and what is happening with Fukushima and what could happen in the future, I'd recommend the North Atlantic not that that's completely radiation-free, but then it's more radiation-free than the Pacific. And the, the background radiation in the Pacific is already three times greater than the Atlantic anyway because, you know, it's the ring of fire. So if you go to the Atlantic, especially the North Atlantic or even the Antarctic, you can get seaweeds that have some pretty interesting properties. One is the iodine in seaweed is protective. It's protective of the thyroid. It's protective of the endocrine system. It's protective of other types of contaminants that are similar to iodine but aren't iodine, and they take up the iodine receptor sites. And those contaminants would be chlorine, fluorine, bromine, and these are common contaminants in our environment. We know about fluoridated water and chlorinated water. So we've got to have enough iodine to fill up those receptor sites so we don't actually absorb the chlorine into our endocrine system and into our fatty tissue, especially in the breast and the prostate. So there's definitely something to be said for seaweeds. And anybody who's ever had avocado and dulse together, that's a life-changing combination. Same could be said for nori and, and nori and avocado eaten together. And while we're on that, I would definitely put in avocado and olive oil and olives into those protective foods for that age group right now. Avocado, the oils, the seven-chain oil is very, very important for endurance and maintaining a appropriate blood sugar levels. It's a monounsaturated fat, so it's a great energy source. It's a replacement for meat and cheese. And whenever we're dealing with any kind of animal food, we're opening ourselves up to all different kinds of variables that are unseen because who knows what that animal's been eating? Who knows what, what kind of water that animal's been drinking? You, you know, who knows what's going on? So more and more we're going towards plants and we need replacements. Well, avocado is a great replacement. It's also the best natural source of the precursor for glutathione. So it has some kind of very strong liver-supporting effect. Now, there's a related plant, which actually most people are not aware of, that avocados and olives are related. They're relatively close relatives of each other. And olives have the incredible compound, which is called oleoropine. And oleoropine has a, a, a very protective effect on the hormone system. And this is why over your lifetime, you've probably heard that olive oil is great for longevity. There was a study that came out in August of 2012, 
indicating that four out of 40,000 people studied in Spain, the longest lived and the healthiest had the highest fraction of olive oil in their diet. And there is a connection there because somehow this olirupine compound and maybe other intrinsic factors that are present in olive oil are protective of the hormone system. Olirupine is also a very strong antifungal compound, and there is something to be said as well for the antiviral components of olive oil. And olive oil can not only be consumed internally, but can also be used topically and has, in Mediterranean climates, been the topical lotion of choice for thousands of years. And, and, sh- and we should look into that because a lot of these topical lotions contain rancid oils. They contain too much polyunsaturated oil. They're untested. And something that I came up upon when I was writing my re- most recent book, Longevity Now, was this concept, which I've got to put in here. And that is a lot of lotions, even organic lotions, even by people who think they are, know what they're doing and that we believe in that, that we know what they're doing, are using oils that are very high in phytoestrogens of unknown impact on our body, that if we ate those phytoestrogens, we'd probably detoxify it or utilize it and wouldn't be as harmful as if we put it on our skin. That it's possible that some of these phytoestrogens, when they're on the skin as an oil, may actually be dangerous. They may actually, because they enter the body right through the skin easier than if we ate it. And this is the whole story about bioidentical hormones is the best bioidentical hormones you use as a cream, you put it on topically and it absorbs right in. Well, what about the bioidentical hormones that are in a lot of these creams and lotions and we don't know, you know, what the impact is because we haven't been using them for thousands of years. Could they be influencing our hormonal system in coming in through the skin? The answer is yes. That appears to be what's going on. So we really have to pay attention to skincare and go back to the basics. Coconut oil and olive oil because they're time-tested. They've been there, done that. 